on, everybody? It's your favorite podcast yet again. Game time with Zach and Jamir. Today, we're going to hit trade deadline. Things change. So, we've had a lot go on in the past few days. I would say really starting from Sunday on, and there's been a lot of speculation, a lot of noise, a lot of things that we've been hearing behind the scenes, a lot of rumors, but there wasn't much concrete information until now. But before we get into all of the lore and the fun that the trade deadline was and all of the moves that were made as a podcast, we watch this brilliant sport, these absolute artists go to work every night and put on a show and really do some things that a grand majority of the world wish they could do. And there are some moments where some people do things that are just special. And, and the other night, Tuesday night to be exact, LeBron James did something that was magical, special, and is going to hold weight and carry for a long time. He is our new scoring champion all time. It's huge. And I really wanted to just take a moment to talk about how special that is. Like we've seen the quote unquote kid from Akron. We, we know his marketing and all that kind of stuff. Um, and to watch this dude go to Cleveland going to battles in Cleveland against teams like the Pistons, teams like the Magic and the Celt the Big Three Celtics, to endure the hate that he received for going to Miami, then the love that he got for coming back to Cleveland and ultimately defeating, you know, Golden State, to him winning another championship in the bubble for the Lakers and then the trials and tribulations that he's faced since being in LA with that whole situation. But through all of that, LeBron has maintained superior status as a basketball player and as a person for the most part. Like, you don't hear about him in the headlines. You don't hear about him doing nothing negative. He's he's giving back to people, and he's done, he's done a lot. And for him to be celebrated in that moment, I was, I was happy to see it. I was happy to be able to witness it and to say that I was in my bed watching LeBron be hand the the mantle and the throne as the all-time leading scorer from Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, who in his own right is a champion, a humanitarian, and a leader. And so with that, congratulations, King James. You stand alone. What are your thoughts on that, Zach? No, that was one of those games, like, you, you had to tune in. Like, even my mom was watching. She called me when it happened. Like, it just really was, like, truly a special moment for real. 
it's like as you said, just twenty years, just man, just been going crazy. Like one of those one of those things where like we we really get a moment to really think about how special this player is and how like to make sure we're watching them while they're they're still here and to see this achievement really was a. Uh, you know, it's one of those things that you're just not gonna forget. Like, dang, like uh, LeBron James really got the scoring title in my lifetime. Like, you know, back in my day, kind of deal. So, nah, definitely, definitely, just I don't know how else to describe it. It's just, it's just amazing. You know what I mean? Definitely put a cap on. Not gonna say you know the the goat debate's still going on, but don't you can no longer deny his greatness at that point like because there's there's always people who deny everything like people who say oh jordan wasn't that good or kobe wasn't that good you know what i mean but you really can't deny like his name is on top of the scoring list the name of the game is put the ball in the hoop and he's he is by by the simplest number the best to do it in that regard so it definitely was special it was a shame the lakers didn't come to play as a team it would have been nice if he won the game but <laughs> Oh my God, they were they were a mess. Might be a mess. We'll talk about it in a bit. But yeah, despite all the adversity that's occurring now, it was nice to see this uh, culmination of his career that to make a get a record that he's still going to build on. Yeah, it was, truly was just. I don't know, it was just amazing. Like I was just counting. I don't know about you. I was like the the point counter. I was right there with that shit, looking at it, like yeah, twenty more points, sixteen more points. Oh, it was just such a it was just a a great a great moment to watch. Next things next forty thousand first to hit forty thousand. If if he continues on the path that he's on, it won't take him long to get there. Yeah. Give him, give him a, another season. He'll probably, probably cross that path, cross that threshold in late December. Probably, probably so because he'll probably hit thirty. He'll probably be in, in well into the thirty nine thousand range by the time the season's over. For sure, averaging thirty plus right now, I believe. Right. Mm-hmm. He's averaging a little over thirty this season. Yeah, like thirty point like two or something like that. To put it into perspective. This man has averaged a career 27.2 points a game over the span of 20 years to hit this mark, by the way. So this won't be easily broken at all. And the thing is, again, he's still going. Like, the man, like, his career low in points per game during a season was 20.9, and that was his rookie year. And from then on, he's never averaged below 25 points a game. And this is somebody who we've, you know, talked about as, you know, not being a scorer or not being the assassin that Michael Jordan was, yada, 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 et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But this is a man who's averaged 30. He's on pace to do it a fourth time, but he's done it He's done it three times in his career. and He's a he's more of a passer. He's more of a distributor and playmaker, and he averages twenty seven a game for a career. So, yeah, the crazy part is, despite all the time, all the the numbers, all the miles on him, it looks like he's not slowing down. Like I think LeBron could like literally play twenty five seasons of high level basketball at this point. I think so, but 
you know, he's a, we have at least getting two, two slash three more seasons because he's waiting for his son to get in the NBA. Mm-hmm. Which is just another again another. That's how you know you you've been you've been great for a long time. That your son is going to be old enough to to enter the same league, which is insane. So, just can't wait to see where the where the legend goes at this point. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Like that's one person who truly um, met the expectations put put on them and exceeded them, no matter how crazy these expectations were. Oh, that's such a perfect segue. That's such such a perfect segue into the trade deadline and the pretty much the epicenter of the trade deadline. The Brooklyn Nets. That 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 term that you use, expectations. This is a team that at the beginning of this whole run, like we go back a few years and I think this whole sequence of events. And I think, again, I think it's going to be a 30 for 30. I really think so. This is like 30, 30 for 30 material. And right. then so they'll probably do a collapsed on it, etc. So a few years back, they pull off, Probably, in fact, the greatest robbery in in basketball history in terms of trades and possibly the greatest robbery in sports history. Where they got a number, a number, an absolute haul of draft picks. Well, no, they didn't pull the trade off. I'm sorry. The Celtics pulled off the trade. <laughs> uh, they they pulled off the trade for it was it was one of the worst deals of all time from the perspective of a team. And they they the Nets traded for Kevin Garnett. Paul Pierce and Jason Terry to go along with Joe Johnson and Darren Williams and also and Brooke Lopez, Brooke Lopez, Andre Karolinko, and Jason Kidd as a head coach. And Brooklyn never materialized. Like they were terrible. And they were so bad because it was so bad because they gave up. I'm trying to think how many first round picks did they give up in that draft? I can't even tell you, but regardless, it turned to Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. Yes. They sent three first round picks over. And the right to first round swaps. So they had like they had about four or five picks out of that draft. And the Celtics rebuilt 
their organization pretty much overnight. I mean, a little help with Isaiah Thomas and whatnot. And the Nets were trash for a minute. For a hot minute, they suffered from, A, the trade and just not having any dra- like any talent whatsoever because Paul Pierce eventually moved on. Kevin Garnett eventually retires. They fired Jason Kidd. Darren Williams eventually moves on, and same thing with Joe Johnson, and the whole situation just falls apart. And so, eventually, they run into a little bit of an era where they find it again. And they get a fun roster that was comprised of guys like who who was on that team Jared Dudley, D'Angelo Russell, Dinwiddie who's back again. You had Dinwiddie. You had a really fun team. Yeah, it's just a bunch of dudes. <laughs> Demari, yeah, I'm looking at him now. Demari Carroll, Joe Harris, Rondé Hollis Jefferson, Karis Levert. Uh, you had a really fun roster. And, like, you you stunk for a while. Stunk for some time. Because, you know, again, with the Brooklyn roster, you, you had something going there. And then things just fell apart very quickly. You had Lionel Hollins there. And then, and then you know, Sean Marks and Kenny Atkinson turned that situation into something good after a few years. And so you built momentum. You built enough momentum to be able to land Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. When you pulled that deal off, everybody thought at that point that you were going to you were going to be it. You were going to be able to compete in the Eastern Conference for years to come. You know, Kyrie Irving, he played a little bit and they had the bubble season and Kevin Durant didn't play at all. Okay, we fast forward. And then they land James Harden to go on top of Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. And that last, they, they play 16 total games together. They win one playoff series, lose to the Milwaukee Bucks, come back the following year, get swept, and now we're here. They're doing well. They're one of the top teams in the Eastern Conference, despite Kevin Durant being hurt at the moment. Kyrie Irving is having a great season, despite crazy headlines. And then, boom, Kyrie Irving asked for trade requ- a trade request. And now take me like take me through your thoughts when you first like heard the trade request was like up. Like what did you think about that? I thought that shit was hilarious. Cause we all knew, of course, you know, Kyrie again with the posting the what's this dude's name? Alex Jones, the the video the the, the anti-Semitic content was called yes. that. Kyrie yes. Irving posted that. 
get suspended for six games. People are like, oh, is he going to be retired? Is he just going to not come back? Because he had requirements, quote unquote, that he needs to meet in order to come back, yeah. which I guess he did. They never said whether or not he actually did them, but sure, let's say he did. He comes back and he's quiet for the first time in like five years. Kyrie Irving just stopped saying bullshit. And then just what made me laugh was that I guess in his, I guess I feel like he decided I'm just going to be quiet and hoop and put up numbers and then request a trade out the blue, get my value up, and then out, request a trade and force the Nets hand. Like he really kind of just finessed them and he did get what he wanted. But I just found it funny because the, the net situation actually looks like I, I'm not going to say I didn't think they're going to win a championship, but they look like a good team. They look solid. Looked like you got got them a couple extra guys. They could make some noise. Like they finally looked like uh what they were supposed to look like for one of the few times in this four in this uh four year run where they had Kevin Durant and Kyrie and James Harden for like a year and a half of that four years. And James Harden gets tra- side note. James Harden got treated last year, and he wanted out of that situation pretty much immediately. Yeah, it was just. I don't know. It's it's really that's that's really an example of when you uh fuck up the vibes trying to for because you want to get you want to get the the Hollywood dudes instead of just letting it be organic. That really is a then that's our horror story of um star chasing and and uh you know bending your knee at the altar of of uh, these great players because they had they had something organic. They really could have went a different direction, and I don't blame them for getting Kevin Durant and Kyrie. And then James Harden, because who wouldn't do that? But nonetheless, mismanagement, et cetera, et cetera, egos, blah, 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 whatever you want to call it. The Nets are now, uh, <laughs> I guess, to some, should we just go ahead and reveal the trade that Kyrie went to Dallas? And then not too long after, <laughs> they moved Durant and essentially to Phoenix. And now this, they went from, they went from, a quote-unquote contender to a rebuilding team in less than a week, which is actually unfathomable when you think about it. How do you? I don't. I don't, I don't think any teams overnight just became, you know, a bunch of dudes so quickly. And the worst part is they came and they're not even allowed to suck. They don't have their draft picks. <laughs> like, I just don't understand, bro. They have draft capital, but the thing is, those picks are about to be low as hell. Yeah, but they don't have they don't have their own picks though. Right, like, them sucking doesn't help them. It actually hurts. Right, them. right. They really do need to be draft capital is great, but they don't. The draft capital they have doesn't entice them to be bad. Right, which I find it interesting because, like, I wouldn't say they're a bad team. They're like an all right team. No one, no one's great. No one's close to being an all star, but. They have a lot of competitors. But they give um, me they gave me 36 and 46 vibes. Oh D. So why don't we for the listeners, why don't we just kind of break it down a little bit? So Kyrie Irving and Markeith Morris, shout out to Markeith Morris, I guess, went to Dallas for Spencer Dinwiddie, Dorian Finney Smith, and a bunch of draft picks. I don't feel the need to get into all of the exact picks. It was a first rounder and two seconds, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, that sounds right. And then, so that happened Sunday. Right. And then Thursday at 1, like, 12 a.m., whatever the hell it was, late as hell, Kevin Durant is suddenly... Late as hell. Late as hell. Suddenly traded to Phoenix 
from Mikhail Bridges, Cam Johnson, the great Jay Crowder sweepstakes are finally over as he is also going to the Nets, who will be rerouted later to the Bucks. But and then hella draft picks for that one. Four first round picks and a pick swap. Yeah. So in less than a week, they go from Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant to Dorian Finney-Smith and Mikhail Bridges, and Ben Simmons is still there sucking it up, stinking up the joint. It's a bad situation. So just unpacking the situation, I think with Brooklyn, and I said this earlier, I felt that Brooklyn immediately should have been on the phone trying to get other pieces moved. Like, I feel like they made the – I feel like they made the KD trade and then had no sense of urgency. Where with me, I would have been more urgent about getting these other players moved because my my thing is at this point, and and I've been saying this, like I really feel like they just need to sit in in and realize that they failed. Like, you had a brilliant situation brewing. like. When D'Angelo Russell and Jared Dudley, Spencer Dinwiddie, Karis LeVert, and the crew was there, they weren't they weren't the greatest team. Granted, they they were a team that the city could rally behind, and you could build organically from a team that the city was rallying behind. And now you can't even do that because the city ain't behind this team right now because there was so much expectations and. You met none of them. Not even a little. Not a not even a little bit. Like you won one playoff series. You had Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and James Harden in a, a what a three year window and won one playoff series. <laughs> so pretty much. It's bad. It's really, really bad. It's a bad look. Then it's fun. It's even funnier because the only playoff series that you won, the same team came back the following year and swept you. <laughs> Pretty so, much. It's like, come on now. It's just, it's just, it's just a really overall, just a really horrible situation. But when the moves happen, you're left with Mikel Bridges. Jay Crowder, Dorian Finney-Smith, Spencer Dinwiddie, Royce O'Neal, Seth Curry, Patty Mills, Ben Simmons, uh, Joe Harris. The only players, oh, and Cam Johnson as well, uh, Cam Thomas, Edmund Sumner, Claxton. So my my thought, and I said this to you a bit earlier, what I would have done if I was them, I would have been on the phone trying to get a deal for Royce O'Neal. For Seth Curry, for Patty Mills, for Ben Simmons, for, for Joe Harris, and for Spencer and Dorian, because they're all older players. Like you got a bunch of old ass players. Like, I mean, they're not like old as hell. Like they're not all in their 30s, but a couple of them are. And then some of them are in their late 20s. Like Dorian Finney Smith is probably the best player they have, not named I say Mikhail Bridges. Mikhail Bridges. Yeah, not named Mikhail Bridges. And Thomas might be on the way up, huh? Yeah, Cam yeah, Thomas on the way. Yeah. Cam Thomas on his way up for sure, but just in terms of overall what we've seen for over a number of seasons, right? Dorian Finney Smith is probably the second or third best player in the team, and 
you he's 20 he's 29 Seth Curry is in his 30s Patty Mills is deep in his 30s I would have just moved all these pieces I I think like just again to to kind of recap what they did they made the two big trades they moved Jay Crowder for some picks and they really did nothing else. Like they kind of stood packed with the team they have. And I don't know if they plan on making some kind of playoff run with this team, but Oof. they have to, like I said, there's no incentive to lose. Like they don't have a good team at all. I don't know, but I will say they did the best they could given the situation. I think they did. Like they things, did. things spiraled, you know, you kind of chronicled how they got to this point and things there's just a constant spiral downward. Uh, once they, you know, they got a little, they got out the hole a little bit and they dug themselves back into one when they acquired the and Kyrie. But regardless, I think for the trades, like individually were great trades for what they had to give up. When you put it all together, it's just a hodgepodge of, some Absolutely. solid players. I would say solid to good players. No one, no one's better than really. I would say no one's great for real. But solid Absolutely. players. I think they'll be competitive. Like they got they got some dudes from teams who have some experience. You know what I mean? Like those yeah. the guys from Phoenix, they've been to the finals before. They know what it takes to they know what it takes to win. The guys from Dallas, they've been to the conference finals. Royce O'Neal has been competitive. Royce O'Neal has been through plenty of playoff series. Like they have competitors. They're gonna be it's kind of not, not gonna be like the Thunder, but like the Thunder are one of those teams where if you sleep on them, they'll they'll beat your ass. Yeah. And the Nets will be similar. Yeah, they're 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 up on the Bulls right now, fun fact. Right. But right, you know, just <laughs> the Nets, like you said, there will always just be a big what if, a big 30-30. And yeah. <laughs> it truly is a sad a sad ending to what could have been great but well i think it's funny i don't think it's sad i think, I think it's-, it's funny too i do i love it i'm a as a sixers fan i love it you know as a the team that had Kyrie pre- as a fan of the team that had Kyrie previously it was kind of like well kind of knew this was going to happen yeah why don't we get into uh just the transition why don't we get into uh the other side of these trades and before yes. we go to the east Absolutely. So, starting with Kyrie and the Mavs, did you like this for the for Dallas? Did you think it was a good move? Uh, for Dallas, I would say yes. I would say yes more so than no, because what I think it does is it really like I, I think that the team like you lose Spencer Dinwiddie, but. To be to be completely honest and fair, you're getting Kyrie back, so you kind of just it's kind of just an upgrade in that sense. The only real loss in this entire situation was Dorian Finney-Smith and the draft picks, and again, the draft picks are going to be low. So my only concern, the only two concerns I have, if I'm being honest, is a Dallas's wing defense, which. There might be some on the there might be some on the buyout market depending on how things go. Like I know Danny Green will be available most likely, based on what happened today because he got traded to the Rockets and they'll probably buy him out. 
Right. I know he'll probably be asking for a buyout immediately. I don't, but I also don't know what he has left in the tank. But wing defense, and will Kyrie? Will they resign Kyrie to the contract that he's looking for? And will he be? Will he want to stay there? Those are my those are my biggest concerns. Gotcha. Otherwise, the on court the on court piece, we saw how James Harden and Kyrie interacted when they were on the court, and I think it worked perfectly. Like Luka Doncic is more of a district. Like he scores a lot, but he can distribute as well. And the thing is, I think this will help the Mavericks in a number of ways. Like they they came out and beat the Clippers. In his first game, and he was hooping, he was balling. I think this gives Josh Green more of an opportunity. Uh, Tim Hardaway Jr. will have more rotation minutes now to play. Like they'll, that, that it'll give them more opportunities to step up. Reggie Bullock, uh, veteran, he'll come right in. He'll get some shots. That's not that's not a bad thing for them. Them having you know them being able to keep Christian Wood was a good thing. Them having Mar- Markeith Morris in the lineup now uh he'll probably he won't play a whole lot but even having him is not a bad thing but yeah i think overall jason kidd i worry about their defense but not too much because jason kidd i think is a really elite defensive head coach and i think it's that's understated number one and number two luka Doncic has been damn near beating people by himself and now and we've said, and we've we've lamented this a number of times, like that he needs help. We've said this so many times on this podcast specifically that he needs help, and so he actually has it now. So again, the on court, the off court stuff, the wing defense, and you know some other stuff. We'll see, but I think right now it works out perfectly for them. I feel you. I have my reservations because yes, like you said, Luca needed help, but. In that the Mavericks decided to enlist the the league's sharpest double-edged sword in Kyrie Irving. And we just we've just seen him kaput every situation. Mm-hmm. Yes, the Cavs won a championship, and yes, he hit the big shot, blah, blah, blah. Whatever. Nonetheless, the Cavs could have been more. They could have done more. And he chose to kaput it because he had his little ego trip where he wanted to be the man. Yep. Went to Boston and had and uh got insecure when Tatum and Brown were stepping up. Went to net the Nets and just did a whole bunch of hoopla. And and Terry Rozier with the, the Celtics situation. Right. Yeah. Like the Nets stuff was just crazy. Like it was just and that stuff was wild. It was a wild ride for sure. Yeah, he was just missing games just because vaccine stuff, uh anti Semitic content. <laughs> And, and 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 if I'm being honest, each thing on its head, in my opinion, is not like the it's not great, but it's not the worst thing anyone has ever done. For but sure. Also the pro the main problem that I always have with Kyrie Irving is the fact that there's always something else. It can't just be him just playing basketball. Like, cause again, I said it when he, when you don't hear him in the headline, just know he's hooping. Like, you know, he hooping. 
You know he balling. You know he getting his. He's he's hooping. Like he's having some great numbers. He he was a he was a leading all star candidate in the East at guard this year for a reason. I feel you. It was just like when he's quiet, you know he's he just he can't wait to do something or he got something cooking at this point. Got he's like, he got to Dallas and now he's just on a whole whole uh Nets front office defamation campaign. <laughs> Redemption like, art. Like he just talking talking hella hot about the Nets front office, like as if he wasn't playing a major part in all the bullshit that led to the demise of the Nets yeah, of this cause... Nets era. Like he's just playing victim. It's just like he's always does plays victim. And when things don't start working out in Dallas, or if he, you know, what's he gonna do? The same thing. Another issue, another thing I worry about just because not only you know, aside from all the things, he's also been he's also never been the most healthy player. Right. He does in fact miss games due to just injury alone. And now you traded uh so when Kyrie does miss his inevitable 20 games because of recent X, Y, and Z, that's 20 more games that Luke has to play with even worse talent around him. And that is <laughs> something to consider. Right. Like I I think high their higher end, their ceiling is of course way higher. Like in a playoff series, seeing Luka and Kyrie is definitely dangerous. But um, you know, similar to the Clippers, you gotta get to the playoffs for that to matter. And you gotta be ready to go. Yeah, and you gotta be ready. Because like, you know, like you've seen, like again with the Clippers, their two guys don't always play, or or one of the or for at least Paul George, let's say Paul George is always playing without Kawhi, and now the team just quiet and some dudes. They, and if they don't make the playoffs, it's like, well, maybe everyone should have played. If they do make the playoffs, it's like, oh, surprise, surprise, your team isn't meshing well. Right. Struggling to be a, a, a team. Yes, like, you know, the last couple of years they played Luka, but the Mavericks were severely under-talented compared to the, the Clippers overall. Right. And, you know, part of, and part of that is if the Clippers had just came in, locked in, and had consistency, they probably would have handled business. So I don't know. I think I think I respect Dallas's this out decision to make this trade, but God, they chose they chose the worst possible guy. He's probably the most polarizing force in the sport. Truly, truly is polarizing. I think he's an amazing talent, but you know, there's a lot of amazing talents in the NBA, and um. One of the biggest things that wins you a championship is the is the non basketball things, and Kyrie suffers suffers in that category gravely. Mm. And what's that? The non basketball things. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah buy in, yeah. commitment. Like buy in, commitment. You know that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yep. Knowing your role. I mean, he he's. I will say he he is a player who's shown he can he can mesh well with other players. Like again, on the court. Right. Like. He might have his gripes, but he's willing to do what he needs to be done. Needs to be done, unless he decides to quit, like the you know Celtics and Bucks series. But yeah, I just think in those in those those non basketball things, he's 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 bad and just one of the one of the worst all time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, you know, aside from aside from the Coke era in the NBA, <laughs> where everyone was on drugs, like aside from that, he's one of the worst all time in terms of just. You know, making sure he's on the court and there for his team and all that stuff. Right. Good luck to Luca and the boys. Why don't we move on to the Phoenix one? Because we got a lot of series to talk about. <laughs> so yeah, absolutely. So I like this, but 
I'm not as high on it as the world is. I feel like everybody's like, oh, they're the best team in the NBA. This this right here, this this team right here, they're gonna win a championship. This is a championship contender. I I'm not I'm not nearly as high on it automatically. Like, do I think that they are a championship contender and one of the stronger teams in the Western Conference now? Absolutely, no doubt. But there are a number of things that still we still need to like hash out and get fixed if they're going to go there. First and foremost, internally, it seemed like a lot, there were a lot of issues just internally starting off. Yeah, I will say some of the guys involved in that internal shit are gone now, though. Right, absolutely. Like, Mikhail Bridges, they don't really talk about him as like a, you know, oh, he's a troublemaker, but, you know, there's been a couple instances of him him and Aiden arguing or him and someone else not saying he's a bad dude or he's a problem child or whatever the fuck, but you know, right. he was, he, he was involved in the issues. Jay Crowder literally was refusing to play. He's yeah. gone. Right. Uh, Jay Crowder's issue was they were starting Cam Johnson over him. He's gone as well. Right. So they cleaned up some of the stuff. I mean, we all know the biggest thing is eight and Monty, Monty Williams, or whatever the heck they got going on. Right. And probably, I'm sure probably, Chris Paul has something to do with it. Right. And, sure. and Book probably has an opinion on it as well. But again, I think that they have to figure out all of the, they have to like get all of the internal beefs, gripes, issues, etc. straighten out first. Right. Then the one thing that bothers me in terms of the basketball side of it right away is their wing defense like two more claps I have, I have some thoughts on that criticism that I've heard from others as well like you gave up Mikel Bridges Jay Crowder and Cam Johnson who were probably your three best wing defenders overall uh, definitely Mikel Bridges. So, and I mean, again, the draft picks are the draft picks. I think they're going to be winning for a while, so I wouldn't worry too much about that. I'm not necessarily worried about how Kevin Durant and Book are going to work. I think them having Chris Paul ultimately will work it out. I think they'll work it out ultimately. And I think they will get the offense right. I think you could plug in just about any 3 and D shooter type player into that starting five and it'll be just fine along with because you, you got you got four of the five pretty much set already yeah and they also got tj warren i don't know i wonder his phoenix reunion that they got him back i wonder if he'll right. start as well right i mean even if he comes off the bench i think that that's a great pickup as well i think that was an understated move in this whole situation but right I do wonder about their wing defense. That, to me, is the biggest question mark I have. Okay, so I agree that people are jumping. I don't want to say jumping the gun, but I agree that, you know, we got to at least see it first before we call them the best team in the West. But I don't agree about this perimeter defense concern that I've seen other places. For the simple fact that, for one, Jay Crowder wasn't even playing, so he wasn't a part of the equation, so that didn't matter. Fair. Uh, 
Kevin Durant's obviously a better defender than Cam Johnson. And I would argue Kevin Durant's a better overall defender than Mikhail Bridges. Sure, Mikhail Bridges is a great perimeter defender, but Durant's a great perimeter defender too. And Durant can also protect the rim. And he's just an all-around intelligent basketball player who knows both mm-hmm. ends of the ball very well. So I would argue, and you could start whoever whoever else is on the team at the three. Right, the literally, literally anybody else. So I think I think the defense will be fine. If not, it could potentially be better because they have more. Uh, they have someone else who can. They have someone else who can actually help defend the paint in that starting lineup. Because Jay Crowder, like even when he was starting, yes, he was a a physical player, but he was not a rim protector. You know what I mean? Kevin Durant is a rim protector, dude, seven feet tall, with like a seven three wingspan. He can he can help eight in he can help cover eight in in ways that were not possible before. I feel you. And again, as you said, the basketball the off the fit offensively is going to be seamless. Kevin Durant can play with anybody. Devin right. Booker can play with pretty much anybody. I'm pretty sure too. Devin Booker is a he's not much necessarily like a a playmaker, but he's also not like a a thirty percent usage rate kind of guy. Right. Like he, he plays within the system. Durant plays within the system. They both they both play great pure basketball. And Chris Paul, he, he you know he can elevate. He's a general. Yeah, he can elevate the the game of anyone he plays with. So I think they'll be fine. One criticism I do criticism I do have though, I wish they would have went after a backup point guard because campaign has not been good for like two years now. <laughs> like they should have got Peyton Pritchard from Boston. That would have been great for Phoenix. Oh my god! If they, they got Pritchard. They would have been that would have been tough because that 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 boy can shoot, and he's, hey, he's man. he can control the game. <laughs> They could get a they 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 might have they might have a pit a a, a point guard soon. Trust me. They're gonna get Patrick Beverly. Nah, they gonna have, Wall. They, they gonna have options. And poor John Wall. Poor, poor John Wall. No, ain't no poor John Wall. He not, ain't not, ain't nothing poor about him. He getting paid. Right, but he went back to Houston. He hated it there. <laughs> So how how could you hate how could you hate a place when you're not doing nothing and you just making forty seven mil? I feel you, but it's like Collecting sometimes it's more you know, the the things about life that aren't involved with money probably sucked. I'm sure he does in fact he, love he, basketball, and he was treated like like a, a traffic cone. He's treated like a chair in Houston. Yeah, like you you making you making M's and you you in Houston you in Houston. <laughs> You're in Houston making M's and not doing nothing to make them. In terms of just general backup options at the point guard spot, I think they'll have a decent selection of guys through the buyout market by the time that that kicks off. I think just based on the things that we've seen and the moves that we've seen happen. So do you think just right now, you believe that Phoenix is a championship contender? I do. I don't believe they're the best team. I don't. I don't want to call them the best team in the West yet because Denver right. is on a tear. But I think right. they're second. Right. They've jumped from wherever the hell I had them to second best. <laughs> I don't know what I thought about Phoenix. I just knew they weren't winning no chip. <laughs> they're yeah, second. It's about. It's about if it. Fifth or six. Yeah. Speaking of speaking of a team that might have actually found a way to come from the dead and point guards that might be available in the buyout. 
let's hop into this this Lakers situation. Another exciting situation. Great moves, Rob. You right. you, you did something good, Rob. <laughs> Rob was talking shit, and Rob said, "All right, watch this." Russell, <laughs> hold my beer. He pulled one out. He pulled. He pulled one out the hat. I ain't gonna lie. He pulled a couple out the hat. He said he he been he been waiting to make the moves. And for me, overall, I I think the Lakers, because obviously I think you could look at the Nets, you can look at the Phoenix Sun, uh, you can look at the Mavericks, you know, all having acquired so much and such big moves and in a fell swoop. But I think the Lakers, if I'm being completely honest, like overall, and the thing is, I guess this is kind of me jumping the gun a little bit here, but I think the Lakers overall helped themselves the most during this trade deadline because they went from a team that had very few players that you want to play 20 20 plus minutes a night to a number of players that you could play 20 minutes a night. Right. right, I agree. And I think they started off with get the 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 Hachimura trade. I don't know how the hell they pulled that off to start. Like you gave up Kendrick Nunn and like a second round pick or two. Like that's nothing. You gave up nothing to get Rui Hachimura, who's actually a really good basketball player. I will say this though: after right. watching Rui Hachimura for a couple of games in Lakers. I will say I can understand why the Wizards were kind of ready to just get rid of him. <laughs> In terms, like his his decision making is bottom tier. He is a horrible decision maker. <laughs> he can score. He can rebound okay, considering the fact that he's like six ten. It's kind of a given that he can rebound okay. But his decision making sucks. Like in the playoffs, in the playoffs, I don't see I don't see him playing in the fourth quarter. Well, but see, that's the thing. That's just the thing, though. They don't need decision makers. They need raw talent. They just need talent. I feel you, but are they trying talent to... and people who could play in a rotation. I feel that. I think it was a good move for them. Terrific. But I'm just saying he's a very flawed player. Aside from like, absolutely, no doubt. Like his his computer just isn't isn't the best. But I think you went from about having maybe four or five dudes who like, like when we was talking about it at the beginning of the season, my God, we were looking like this team is fucking garbage. They are rubbish. Sure. God damn, they they was out there depending on Matt Ryan to hit threes, and the the only Matt Ryan I really know about is a quarterback in the NFL. Really? They had this <laughs> other dude, this dude Matt Ryan, who he was the only dude who could shoot threes for real, for real. And then they cut him. <laughs> and then they got rid of him. I don't know. I, I I guess it worked out for them long run, but man, yeah. they they're, they're, upgraded this roster. Their deadline was great. They they swapped out Westbrook. Now they have D'Angelo Russell, Jared Vanderbilt, <sighs> and Malik Beasley. They have Huge. a starting point guard. You actually shoot. They have a, a a big who can play defense and rebound for them, and uh, you know help Anthony Davis out down there. Yes, they got uh, Malik Beasley, who's a gunner. Yes. So that J- that J.R. Smith role that you got to have with, with uh, LeBron James. They can shoot the ball. Yes, 
he, he can shoot it. He's not afraid to let, let you know about it. Yes. And then uh, they traded Thomas Bryant, which I was confused about until I saw that he was just mad that he wasn't getting minutes in front of Anthony Davis. Right. Go figure. <laughs> but they got second-round picks for him as well, which is cool. And then they got Mo Bamba, which I think was very, very good for them. Very, very good. Patrick Beverly was a casualty of war, but also he did it to himself because he kind of sucked this year. Mm-hmm. But yeah, he was I terrible. It was a great move. And I mean, just a little side note, he is currently suspended, but when he does return, he is giving them he's giving them somebody who at the moment, believe it or not, is shooting very well. Mm. He's shooting 39.8% from the three-point line. He's not taking a lot of shots, but that's going to change soon. He wasn't getting a lot of minutes either. <laughs> right. He was stuck on that magic bench, and he, he had the talent, so I don't know. It was just it was just a good move. He's obviously a good player. He was just yeah. stuck in a situation where he couldn't play. And now he's going to get a grand opportunity to play. Yeah. Yeah. I think – and to be honest, yeah, to, to be honest, I, I think that the Lakers made some great moves. Like, they turned this roster around overnight. And they only had to give up one of those first-rounders, which was nice. Right. And you flip, essentially, four or five players that you didn't really want into four or five that you need. Yeah, like I'd say they have a solid 10-man rotation now, which is, like you said, they only had five guys who were actually quality basketball players. <sighs> Uh, they were squealing. Yeah, did, did they even have that? Is a question. LeBron Davis, for all his short for all his shortcomings and the misgivings and the bad fit, Westbrook was an NBA. He's an NBA player. Yeah, he's still good. <laughs> he's still, he had great moments for the, for the he team. He was pitiful. He's still an NBA. He's still a rotation player though. He's a rotation player, but God damn it, he hurt. Like it just hurt to have him there. For a number of reasons. And then Lonnie Walker is a rotation player. Whew. Austin Reeves, the third best player on the team. Oh. That's five. <laughs> I guess Thomas Bryant, when he came back, that's six. <laughs> Woo-wee. No one else. Patrick Beverly was, was not good. I would say they had six. My my, grand, my grandpa, he'd be saying this. He'd be like, uh, 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 you need some cologne. That rotation was dreadful. But yes, I think that they had Mo Bamba, Malik Beasley, Anthony Davis, Rui Hachimura, LeBron James, Austin Reeves, D'Angelo Russell, Jared Vanderbilt. Like they have a good rotation now. Like this to this to me can get them to the playoffs. Even even if it's through the playing. So let me ask you. Yes. You say that, but Uh-oh. they're they're only two games up to play in. So I think there's a good chance they get in. But right. do Talk you think? Me. Do you think they? Where do you think they climb to by the end of the season after these moves? Ooh. Um. Unfortunately, again, and I think this is all. This always has to be said. Unfortunately, when it comes down to the Lakers, but I think you are going to know. I think you know where I'm going a little bit with this. It starts with AD. Oh God, he was because uh, AD was on a goddamn tear. Like he's part of the reason why they even they even have a chance to get to the plan now. He's a big reason why he was hooping. If he can get back, like if D'Lo and the crew, like I think I I think all of those moves are going to come in 
and play energized because they have a bigger role now. Like I think Malik Beasley is going to have a big role in this team. D'Lo is going to have a much bigger role on this team. Like a lot of those guys are going to be energized because they're going to be like, yes, I get to play 30 minutes a night and I get to hoop, right. I get to really play my game. And I'm playing with LeBron James and Anthony goddamn Davis in LA. This is great. Um, right. So I think that the moves that they make are going to play well. Obviously, I think that LeBron is going to do what he has to do. And of course, he'll adjust. If anybody can adjust, I think LeBron can adjust. And then it really just comes down to AD's health because AD is a big part of their defense, a huge part of their defense. And I I, I, I like the fact that they have Vanderbilt, so he helps supplement some of that, even if AD is out. But it's really going to come down to his health. If he's healthy, I think that the Lakers are good enough to climb to the eighth seed. Okay, gotta get into the plan, which puts them in position for a a uh, do or die first game, or well, not do or die, puts them in position to where they at least have a, a shot to clinch a playoff spot in one game. And gotcha. even if they lose, they basically they get two cracks at the apple as, as an eighth seed. So let me ask, let me put it this way: right. Do you think? Do you think over they're twenty five and thirty? So do you think over the next what is that? That's, do you think they, they can make it to 40 uh 500? Because they got, they got what they got what 27 games? They got 27. It has to be 16 and 11. Do you think 16 and 11 for the next 27 games is doable? You gotta look at their schedule. Damn, the rest of the month is trash. God damn. They, the rest of the month is terrible. <laughs> God damn. Oh my god. This yeah, is Bucks, Warriors. Ooh, Trailblazers, Pels, Warriors again. Mm. The Mavericks. The oh, I don't know about that. I might have... no, no, wait a minute. I'll say this. If they can survive the hellish gauntlet that February is going to be, I believe they can get on a run in March because. You have the Thunder, the Timberwolves. I think they can be, I think they can compete with the Warriors. I don't give a damn about none of that. The Grizzlies, they got the Raptors, the Knicks. If they can, if if they go, if they can go maybe 500 in that little gauntlet that you have closing out February, because they got a seven game, a very difficult seven game stretch to close February out. That's a terrible stretch. Yeah. Terrible. Like the worst team is the Trailblazers, and they're they're neck and neck with you right now. <laughs> so you know they're gonna come in that joint fighting. So if you can survive that stretch, I believe the Lakers could get could get in. Because I am very worried about, very concerned about the Timberwolves. If I'm being completely honest, I'm very concerned about the Timberwolves. And I don't know if the Timberwolves can necessarily hold it. I don't know if they can hold that eight spot. I think Golden State will get it together eventually. They've just been they've been injury riddled like crazy. I don't think any of the top six teams fall too far. I think I think they could catch. I, yeah, it, it, it'll really come down to February though. 
And even if they don't get an eighth seed, I definitely think they get nine or ten. I definitely think they get nine or ten. And I think that if they go home, it'll be in that game. It'll be in the 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 nine eight game, basically deciding who who is the eighth seed. That's the only way they go home for me. And even then, again, in a do or die scenario against the LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and D'Angelo Russell, I don't know about that. That's tough. That's tough to beat. Feel that. So I, I think they, I think they could get to the playoffs, especially if it's against like uh, something like Minnesota or some shit. I think they can get to the playoffs. I, agree. I think sneaking as an AFC and be competitive. I think they go, they probably go home in six. Maybe maybe seven, just depending just depending on how well they mesh and how well those 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 others step up. But I think those others will play well though. So it it, it just all depends. But they have a very difficult stretch to start to start this shit off, which is a good thing though, because if they were playing some shitty teams, I don't think they you know I I, I think it's better that they are playing these difficult games to have to mesh early. Right, I feel that. So I, I think actually it works out perfectly for them that they have this very terrible stretch to start. And in March, they can get a groove. I think they'll be able to, once they get through that going, I think they'll be able to get a groove and really get going. So I like the Lakers' chances right now. I really do like the, the Lakers. But moving on uh, from that, in the same deal, you had Utah pick up Russell Westbrook. You had the Timberwolves pick up Mike Conley. And there was some dra- some random draft picks moved around and whatnot. Russell Westbrook, uh, Brian Windhorst reported that the like Russell Westbrook is probably not even going to wear a Jazz uniform. Right. That's in his words. He said Russell might not even wear Jazz uniform. He probably won't even land in Utah. So that sounds like buyout market to me. John Wall and uh, Danny Green. And Reggie Jackson. And Reggie Jackson. All on the buyout market. All on the buyout market. This is going to be a very packed buyout market. Like, just transitioning. I think it'll be a very packed buyout market. Like, John Wall will be on it, even though he's he had a, a up and down season. You had Danny Green <laughs> will be on it. You know what's funny? I just remember. What's that? Was that the beginning of the year? Clippers were like, "Oh, John Wall and Reggie Jackson are fighting for the starting point guard spot." <laughs> now nah, neither the, neither the and now they're both probably bought out by another team. I just think that's so crazy. Uh, yeah. Now, my question is, it's funny because they were trying to they were trying to. Get Kyrie. They were trying to get a point guard. Yeah. And now they might have they 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 might have their sights set on Russell Westbrook. What do you think? Like, do you think that like what what, what point guard would you try to go after if you're the 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 Clippers? Like, what, what are you thinking there? Uh, can I say none of them? Okay. I don't think any of the point guards that would be available 
will do any will fare any better than the options that they've been milling through for the last couple of seasons. You might as well just like Terrence Mann starting at point guard has helped him win lately. They should just let it let it happen. Yeah. Like it's kind of like again, like I'm gonna go back on the Celtics thing. But you know, you know, Boston, we had uh we went from Isaiah Thomas to well, I should say we actually had we had Rondo, and then uh, we transitioned to Isaiah Thomas, and then Kyrie Irving and Kemba Walker, and all this whole time Marcus Smart was there, ready to play point guard, and maybe we should just let him do it. <laughs> like Kemba Walker you know, was a tragedy. What do you say? Kemba Walker was a goddamn tragedy. Yeah, like you know, sometimes you gotta just just run with a guy who works. Yeah, like Isaiah Thomas. No, of course Isaiah Thomas, and I don't think those moves were bad. But also, like, what if we just let Marcus Smart run point guard? And we look to else, and we look to improve the team in other avenues, right? Or what if it's the same thing for the Clippers? What if we just let Terrence Mann, who's been good for us for the last three years, what if we just let him play point guard, and then uh, look to improve? Well, it's too late to improve. I guess the buyout market still, but you know, look to improve in other avenues. Terrence Mann playing point guard has led to success for that team. Mm-hmm. Like I think, you know, just in this day and age, getting stuck on this positional stuff really is kind of, it can kind of just hurt you. Yeah. Like they're stuck on getting it. We need a point guard. We need a point guard. Like, no, just get good basketball players who mess well who can help help your team win. Like that's all that matters. Forget the position, forget positional designations. Like when they get, I think that's what they need to do. Just, Grab somebody else. They got a backup center in the trade market with a uh, Plumlee, which is nice. But yeah, I thought that was a great move. And then also picking up Aaron Go- Eric Gordon was a good. Yeah, move. Like, those make sense. I think they should just stop there and try to win. Because fact of the matter is, you don't have Kawhi, you don't have PG, you're not going to win anyway. So let's right. let's focus on having them there first. Okay. So were were there any other moves in the Western Conference that you looked at and said, hmm, interesting? Uh, I guess in terms of interesting, I'm confused as to why the Warriors, like, they essentially traded James Wiseman to Gary Payton, the second back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they did. Yeah. I feel like, I mean, I know the money stuff, but I feel like they could have tried a little harder to sign him, re-sign him anyway. And then I feel like they should have honestly just traded Wiseman and kept Sadiq Bey originally. Sadiq Bey is a, a great player. They They need... They need young talent who can who can hoop now. And yes, Gary Payne the second is that, but I feel like he's kind of we, we know what he is. You know what I mean? I think Sadiq Bay has another gear to hit. Like Sadiq Bay could probably become a 20 point per game guy for a couple seasons. He's you know, he's averaged like 16, 17 already. So I think he shout, shout out to Atlanta for getting Sadiq Bay. That was a good move. That was a good move. A great move. So I think the Warriors kind of just the from the Wiseman situation from start to finish has just been a failure. Huge failure. Like even the trade was garbage. Like, you couldn't even flip it into something. I guess it helped. Gary Payton sec- the second helps, but again, you had him on the team like last year, so it's kind of just like. And you have a guy like Devin Chinzo who's kind of similar. Yeah. Certain aspects. Yeah. So that was that was um my biggest L of the L of the, the trade market this year. The trade really, alone. really. Yes. They got off Wiseman, but I feel like they could have got a better package. I could they could have got something better than Gary Payton the second for, for James Wiseman. You think that was the biggest L? Yes, the biggest L. Oh, I can go a couple places. 
Who did worse? Who did worse? Yeah. I tell you who did worse. Well, there's two teams in this entire trade deadline who didn't make a move at all. The Cleveland Cavaliers and the Chicago Bulls. I don't think that's but like Cleveland, Cleveland. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I was gonna say, but Cleveland, I don't think it's an L. Because they're good. I say Isaac Okoro, yes, he's on and off, but he's currently on. So I guess they're like, eh. I still think they don't want to – they they traded all, all their assets for Donovan Mitchell, so they're kind of in a hard place to just make a random move. You could have moved Kevin Love easily, though. But his contract's $30 million, you know what I mean? That's kind of hard to just – How much How 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 much longer, though? For one more season. You could have got bought out. You could have got him bought out. I feel you, but for, for them to move him, someone else needs to want to do that. You know what I mean? Maybe no one else wanted to do that. But I feel you with the Chicago, Chicago thing, though. But I'm just talking about in terms of like teams that actually made a move. The Warriors okay. one was just like, because if I'm being completely honest with you, that team like, and, and I think we, I think me and you kind of agreed on this from the jump. That team had didn't have much hope of going too far to begin with, and then with the additional mismanagement, now it's kind of like, what the hell are they doing? Like at this point, I feel like you could have. If I'm being completely honest with you, I would have shopped everybody on that team. Which the same thing. Yeah, and the same thing with Toronto. Like I'm, I'm kind of confused as to how. Yeah, I guess. I guess it's probably because they couldn't land KD. Uh, that's the only reason why I see I, I, I see um, Toronto not trying to make a move. I guess they said, "All right, we'll just pick up Yoka Pelt, get bigger on the inside, and try to co- try to go compete." But I, I don't I don't know. Like a lot of teams were, there were some teams that were a lot more quiet enough up. They were, for example, the Sixers. They moved Matisse Thybul, and they get Jalen McDaniel's back who to me is essentially a little bit taller version of Matisse. That's a little more aggressive. Like that's literally it. In my opinion. You look at the, you look (laughs) at the shooting percentages, Jalen McDaniels is worse. I'd say percentage wise, but he's also, like you said, more aggressive, more willing to actually shoot. And there's something to be, something to be said about wanting, at least wanting to shoot the ball. As a Sixers fan, I'm sure you have some nightmares of players not wanting to shoot the ball. But, yeah, I think there's something to that. I think it was an upgrade. I think it was an upgrade. And they don't have to pay Matisse Thibault's uh, next contract, which is good, because I wouldn't want to pay him his next contract either. Hell no. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, I was, I was really a Matisse guy. I love Matisse Thibault, but he just his inability to shoot the basketball. And I don't know what it is. I think we – I think – we need to do something about that. I think that that's an issue. Like the fact that everybody comes here and just never can shoot the ball. I think that might be a development issue, but that's just me. I see where you're coming well, from. Yeah, I, I think that's just a development problem because we don't ever develop no great shooters. Like there's nobody like people who come here, they either know how to shoot or they don't. And if they don't, they never get that ability to shoot. The, the basketball better. Aside from Embiid, but Embiid's just kind of a goat. So Embiid is a freak of nature. And yeah. He was going to get that. That was going to be a part of his game eventually. Right. So, so yeah, no. 
And then I think today I kind of hit my peak of anger with the Tobias Harris situation. <laughs> I think I've grown to peak hate at this point because I've come to realize that he's untradeable. I'm crying. <laughs> because the man averages, did you know, he averages under 16 points a game. Under 16? Yes. He averages 15 point something? He averages 15.8 points a game. Wow. I thought he would I thought he'd be at like 18 right now. 19. And you want to know what's worse? Guess how much we're paying him. Oh, 30, like isn't it like 36 million, 35 million? 37 million. Ooh. Do you know of salaries that are being paid this year? Do you know where that falls and that ranks? Gotta be top. Top 15, top 20. That man is getting paid more than Joel Embiid. He is in the top 15. He's getting paid Ooh. more than James Harden and Joel Embiid. Shit. And Luka Doncic. He getting paid the same. I think he's getting paid the same amount of money as Luka Doncic. Shout or a little more. Agent. Huh? So shout out to his agent. Yeah, Whoever man. That is. Yeah, man. That man Tobias Harris is robbing us of money. And at this point, we cannot trade him. I realize, I've come to realize that you, he has the type of contract you would have to trade two first-round picks and him just because of his contract. <laughs> so I kind of hit a peak point of frustration today with him. And I'm, I'm, your, your Celtics continue to get better and make good moves. Yes, Mike Muscala, a nice, calm Everyone who's watching the LeBron Wraith record knows knows that Mike Muscala got a gun. So, very happy with that move. Mike Muscala was lighting the Lakers up during that night. Jay Crowder, the Bucks got better, even though I feel like they should have moved Grayson Allen or Pat Connaughton to get somebody who could actually play backup point. Agreed. But I think, again, a guy like Reggie Jackson would be a nice fit for them. They got Javon Carter and they like him, so we'll see. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm, they finally moved on from George Hill, who's a pacer again. But, I mean, overall, there wasn't too much more noise than the, the initial big moves. There was a lot of things, a lot of little things that happened. And, again, I, as I, I said it before, I think the teams that didn't make a move – or the teams that we thought were going to make much bigger moves and wind up not making moves at all, to me, are the losers of the day. Yeah, Toronto's going to regret not doing anything. Yeah, I think so. Or they did something. They got Pirtle, and they traded a first-round pick. <laughs> Actually, I'll say this. I don't think they'll regret it because I think that they have they – I think that they're just waiting patiently to make the move to get a star player. I think that's what they're doing. Because as soon as Kyrie Irving and KD became unavailable, I just think at that point, there's no real, I would say to an extent, there's no real point of trading because I would want to move a big package over to somebody else to get a star player. Like in there, like, remember when we talked about Trey Young? Yeah. Like getting somebody like that and moving a package over that features OG Ananobi and Fred Van Vliet and picks. You know what I mean? I would, I would want to be able to do that. So, and a move over a first round pick 
that that sounds like they're going to re-up Pirtle. Yeah, definitely. They have to at that point. Which is interesting. Yeah, I don't know. Like you said, there's a bunch of little moves. I don't really feel like get more than a, a minute of, of uh, air time, so I'm not really too pressed to talk about most of these moves. Yeah, at this point. But again, I think the buyout market being next is going to be very interesting to see. Reggie Jackson, Russell Russell Westbrook, Danny Green, Sergi Baca, just to name a few guys who are going to be on that buyout market. And I think that some teams aren't done yet. For sure. I think Danny Green and Cleveland wouldn't even be a bad idea. I agree. Yeah, I think I think there's going to be a couple of wings on the buyout market because, like, I imagine Terrence Ross might be bought out too. They were talking about trading him for a little bit. And I also saw that the Wizards were looking to buy out Will Barton, who's going to wind up somewhere. Yeah. Will Barton is one of those veterans that always wind up on some teams. So Will Barton to the Bucks? That's not a bad move. That's not a bad move at all. Word. Reggie Jackson yeah. to, the, to the Suns? <laughs> That's not a bad move at all. That's either. a great move, if right. you ask me. I just think oh. Pritchard would have been a perfect fit. I just, I just, from a, a basketball fan standpoint, I would have liked to see them get him. Mm-hmm. I agree with that. Russell to Miami? I don't know what Miami needs. <laughs> They just need something. They just need energy. I think that Russell provides that, though. Yeah, they're just bleh right now. <laughs> Is there anything else that you want to cover, though, about this trade deadline or any final reflections and thoughts about this trade deadline? I mean, we're just going to remember this one for a while, look back at it, and just a lot of ramifications for the future are going to occur from this one. So just very excited to see how things play out this season and beyond. Again, shout out to LeBron James, become the all-time leading scorer in uh, NBA history. It's truly the, you know, it's just a, it's just a great way to, it's a great moment to remember, remember that we need to appreciate watching the greatness while it's still available to us. Absolutely. But um, yeah, go Celtics. Mike Muscala. I, I, I know we had our contender conversation. I still think they're the best team in the league. Yeah, I think so. I think they're the best team in the league right now. Yeah, Jalen Brown's face is broken, which sucks, but. Yeah, that's quite awful, actually. Yeah, we'll soon. Yeah, I wonder what's going to happen with the All-Star game, too. That's my last thought. What's up with this All-Star game stuff? Because you got, like, two East starters now in the West. Right. So how are we going to play that? Steph Curry's out. But we're, I guess we'll talk about that in the All-Star game episode. Yes, sir. Yeah, so I'm going to get us out of here. That's it for today's episode of Game Time with Zach and John Muir. My name is Zach Wright, hosted by John Ray Wilson. You follow us on Twitter at GameTime underscore ZNJ, on Instagram at GameTime underscore podcast. You can follow us on Facebook at GameTime with ZNJ to stay up to date further content. If you want to listen to future episodes, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, all the podcasting networks were there. So can't we talk more basketball on game time? We're looking forward to a very, very fun ending to this 2023 NBA season. Peace, y'all.